Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. I want to just kind of give you some context for where we're at. We are actually wrapping up a series that we've been in called Making Room where we've been asking God to help us make more room for more of God in our lives. And today we're going to be looking at how it is that we make more room to connect the dots between gratitude, which we just talked about, and generosity, which some of us are experiencing and doing right now. Now, if you were here last week, my wife, the other lead pastor of this church, gave an absolutely banger of a message last week. And she started her message by saying, this message is for you. And she just assumed that God had something for you. In fact, she had people turn to the person next to them and say, this message is for you. And then some people said, this message is definitely for you. And so that was a powerful way to just say, God has a word for you today. I want to say something this week. For those of you, if you are here with us or you're worshiping with us online, and you wouldn't say that you're all in yet with God, you still got some things that you're holding out on, or you're not sure, you're not convinced, you haven't maybe said a given your whole yes to Jesus yet. I want to say something to you in this message this week. This message is not for you. If that's you and you say, I'm not there yet with God, I'm not sure, I'm not in, awesome. We are so glad you're here. There are more folks in that, that space and season in this church than you know. I'm so glad you're here. This message is not for you. You get a bye week this week. You get to literally... You can check out your phone, check Instagram, do whatever you want to do, because we're going to talk for those of us who've said yes to Jesus and are making this church or have made this church their home. That's who this message is for. Now, no matter where you're at with God, I believe God has something for you today. I believe God wants to speak to you, reveal and give you an experience of his presence today, transform you from the inside out. I believe that will happen no matter where you're at with God. But I want to speak to those folks who've said yes to Jesus. Now, this last week, I had something happen to me, which has happened many, many times before, but I saw just like the, the, the dark side of humanity this last week. Just a real like bummer of a moment. It's just like, oh, I thought we were better than this. And it wasn't on the news and it wasn't something that was happening around the world. It, it happened on 290 as I was driving into work. And if you've ever been on 290, it's about as low as it gets in the world. And it was in the morning, I was coming here to church to work, and, and traffic was so bad. I, I, it took me like 12 hours to get her. I mean, it's just the absolute worst. I'm only a couple miles away. It was the worst, right? And so I'm dead stop. I'm in the right lane because my exit's coming up in a little bit, and I'm in the right lane. And I noticed all morning, people were flying by me in the lane next to my lane, which was the right lane, which I call the fifth lane of 290. You may know it as the emergency lane. But for Chicagoland drivers, they call it the express lane. Have you ever seen folks like on the emergency or just flying in that emergency lane? And you're like, that's not what that's for. Maybe some of you use that and God wants to break your heart today. He wants, this is a season of confession for you. Because I was not doing that. I am a Christian. I was obeying the laws and the leaders that God has established in this city. And so I was in my lane. They were flying past me. And wouldn't you know it, one of the cars, I was getting close to my exit. One of the cars actually pulled up and there was an actual car in the emergency lane having an emergency. It was parked there. The flashers were on, but the car that was flying couldn't 
get around it. It was kind of stopped. And so it was trying to get back into the flow of traffic. You want to guess how many people were letting that person back in from the right lane? They're like, no, this is divine justice for you. This is of God for you. And no one was letting him in. But again, I told you, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a leader worth following. And so I let that lawbreaker into my lane. I said, you know what? This is... If Jesus were driving, if Jesus took the wheel, this is what Jesus would do. So I let them in. And do you know what? They didn't do. They didn't give the wave. They didn't give the wave. Now you know about the wave. This is car courtesy 101. Someone lets you in. What do you do? You say, thank you. I see you. I appreciate you. I would not be here without you. That's all that the wave says. I can just give two little waves and that's enough for me to go, I'm with you, I got you. We're in this, we are in this together. No wave from this dude, no wave. So I decided to raise, raise my hand and I just began calling the Lord's curses and rebukes upon them. God, I had all five fingers, all five fingers were up. I just wanna let you know that. I was so, I was so like, come on, man, this is an easy one. Just give me the wave. You ever had those moments where you do something for someone else and you're like, I'm, I'm not expecting much here, just some common courtesy. Can someone just please say thanks? That's all I'm asking for, right? Like maybe for you, you've done, like you've brought donuts to work, right? And you, and you brought the nice donuts to work. I'm not talking about Dunkin'. I'm not talking about Jewel Donuts. I'm talking about those $4 donuts, that whole meal donuts that you bring into work and you bring them and no one says thanks. They just eat them all up and you're like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't need a parade. Just someone say thanks for bringing the donuts. Or you work hard on a presentation for school or, or for work and no one comments on your awesome animations between slides. Not one person commented on that awesome clip art that you chose. And you decided to say thanks, that's all. And so it got, me thinking, it got me thinking about how I expect others to do that for me when I do something for them, but how often I don't do that for God when God does something for me. Like, I'll, I'll expect you, you know, to say thanks, give me the wave. But how often God does something in my life and I don't do that for him. I fail to thank God or to bless God, or even acknowledge God's goodness in my life when he provides for me. And I wonder what's, what's true for you when it, when it comes to you in, in your life. Maybe there's things that you've prayed for or things that others have prayed over you or things that you didn't even expect that God did in your life. The question is, how do you respond to God in those moments? Or maybe think of it this way. Maybe this is a better way to think of it. Think of it this way. What do you do when God does what he does for you? What do you do when God does what only God can do and God will always do for you in his goodness? What do you do when God does what he does for you? How do you respond? How do you, do you recognize it? Do you acknowledge it? In other words, what, what does God get when you get what you got? Like what does God get when you get what you got? Well, that's what we're gonna be looking at this weekend for the next couple of moments. Our response to God's goodness in our lives and our responsibility with God's goodness in our lives and that connection between gratitude, which we feel, and generosity which, with which we do. And what, how do we begin to do that in our everyday lives? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab a Bible and open to Luke 17. If you've got one with you, we'll make sure to mark you down for extra credit. If you've uh, got it on your phone, great, open it there. If you're with us online, open up another tab. But right here in this room, do you see the Soul City Bibles that are around you? There's a little bookmark. Save that. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Grab the Soul City Bible, turn to page 850 to Luke 17. 
Luke 17, page 850 in the Soul City Bibles. And let me give you some quick context. This event that we're going to look at today that happened in the life and ministry of Jesus happened well into his ministry years, towards the end of his life here on earth. And by this point with Jesus, he had healed many. He had cast out countless demons. He had performed multiple miracles. And the word had gotten out about this Jesus. There was something special about him. There was some kind of power that he had that no one else had. And he was doing things differently than anyone else had done. And so many people came to Jesus in the hopes of getting from Jesus what only he could give, to do for them what only he could do. And that sets the stage for where we're at in Luke 17. We'll start in verse 11. Verse 11 says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. And they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now there's there's so so much in the Bible, there's so much that's wrapped up in the context of this moment, of what's really going on here. Jesus is on his way to to Jerusalem, to the center of of Jewish life and, and, and Jewish worship, and he's still a good little ways off. And so he decides to take a shortcut and he's going to cut through Samaria, kind of dip in there to get over there. And what you have to understand is that in Jesus's days, those who were Jews hated those who were Samaritans, hated them. They saw them as half-breeds, descendants of Israelites who had married and mated with their enemies. And so they were despised in the Jewish community. They were like the, um, like the Green Bay Packers fans of today. Very, 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 very similar, despised in every Wait, I'll be getting emails. Uh, so, so no love lost between Jews and, and Samaritans. And this group of lepers contained both Jews and Samaritans. And in that group, those of them who were Samaritans were twice cursed because they were already outcast because of their skin condition. And then they were also outcast because of their social condition, being Samaritans. So it's a real interesting little context that Luke gives us here. And so it says that, they came out and they, and, they, and they cried out to Jesus, 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 give us what you've got. We want what you've got. Verse 14 says this. So he saw them and he said, and I love this. This is so great. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, quick pause here. If you had leprosy, you are not allowed to participate in temple life. You would not be allowed to come into a church like this. You certainly would not be able to meet with the priests face to face. That's why they were standing at a distance from Jesus, because they knew the rules. And what Jesus says is, here's what I want you to do. Here's your homework for the week. Go talk to the priests. And they're like, uh, does he not know that's not how this works? That's not going to happen. And we went to them before, and they had nothing for us. Why would he send us to the priests, but they decide to go, and this is so important, I want you to shout out these three words as we get there, and, and what is it? And as they went, and as they went, they were cleansed, they were healed. Wouldn't you know it, Jesus' miraculous power breaks forth and it heals them, and what I love that Luke gives us there, it says that he heals them as they went, As they went, as they headed out from that moment. See, sometimes what we see throughout the life of Jesus and sometimes what we see in our own lives is God heals us or provides for us in the moment. We see that all throughout the New Testament. Jesus says a word, boom, someone's healed. Someone comes back to life. I mean, Jesus has that kind of power. But sometimes, sometimes God makes a way on the way. 
God makes a way for you while you are on your way. When it doesn't make any sense, what you cannot see is that God's making a way for you. How many of y'all know this to be true in your own life? You've seen God make a way as you, I don't know, I don't know. We're on your way. He provides, he opens up, makes connections, gives provision, heals you on your way as you are moving forward in faith. You couldn't see it, you couldn't perceive it, and if you were being honest, on most days you didn't even believe it. I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if he can. I don't even know if he cares. But on your way, God makes a way. While you were working to reconcile that relationship, God gives you a breakthrough in that relationship. While you were working your steps, you were faithfully working the steps, God gives you new strength to face new challenges in your life. While you show up for a group, you're like, I signed up for this group. I don't know any of these people. God, as you show up, provides for you soul-level friends that walk with you through this season. While you're not even sure how you're going to make it financially, but you choose to make God a priority, God surprises you with supply in your life. Why? Because he makes a way on the way, on the way, on the way. I could tell you story after story after story after story of my life where we stepped out and said, God, I don't know, I don't know. I think of this... This whole church, I've told you this story. If you've been around here before, Gene and I left a great full-time paying jobs. They put money in our bank account every two weeks. It was amazing. <laughs> we left those, cashed in all of our life savings, moved a two-year-old and a four-year-old from our dream home in Atlanta to a rental home in Humble Park, all while not taking a paycheck for 18 months. And I'm gonna, I would love to tell you, and every step of the way, we believed in God. Nope, every week it was like, can we get our old jobs back? How can we get our old jobs back? Is there anything else but every step along the way? You know what God did? He provided a way. He provided a way. He provided a friend. He provided a resource. He provided the leader that we needed. He provided a space that we needed. Every step along the way. Our job was to keep moving forward in faith. God was going to do what God was going to do every step of the way. And I could tell you story after story after story of this church where we weren't sure. Oh, man, they're not going to let us open this building. We don't have the proper permits. But God makes a way, and we get a 430 meeting with the alderman, and boom, all of a sudden, it goes through. And I could tell you story after story of how we had, we don't, God, we don't have enough money, and we're on the phone with people saying we're going to have to call it off. We can't build the new building. And all of a sudden a gift comes in, a supply comes in that provides this space that you're in today. God, I don't know. I can't see it. I don't even know if I believe it, but God makes a way while you're on your way. That's what God loves to do because in the process, what he does is he grows your faith in such a way that getting your way could never do. He makes a way on the way. And I just want to encourage you today. I want to encourage those of you who are on your way Maybe you're trusting God like never before. You showed up here today. You're trusting God in new ways. I want to encourage you to keep moving forward in faith. You keep moving forward. Don't you dare quit now. Because you have no idea how God's making a way for you. And you might not see it if you don't continue on your way. Now listen, Tammy, that's not even the message for today. I had to, pre- I had to preach that. That's not even what I'm supposed to be talking about. Because I just, I know, that, I know that there's folks here. I know I have friends who are part of this church who are in it right now. You're up against it right now. And I just want to encourage you. You needed to hear that, that God is making a way as you are on your way to trusting him more and more and more. Okay, so I got to get back to that story. So I want to illustrate to you about these 10 lepers and why this is so significant. So I've asked some friends to come out and to actually... Uh, kind of play the, the role of the lepers. So, uh, yeah, Mike, come on out. Hey, listen, he's coming. He's coming strong. All right, so can we welcome our friends that are playing to be the lepers today? These are Soul City Church community theater actors. 
they are, they are, they are so, they are so excited, as you can tell, to be a part of this illustration. So excited. They woke up excited about it today. Okay, so there are 10 lepers, and let's be really clear in this story. I am not Jesus. I'm just kind of the storyteller in this. 10 lepers, and, and Jesus says to them, go show yourselves to the priest, right? And what we just read, as they were on their way, they were healed. It was powerful, and it was meaningful, but it's not actually the point of the story. So the 10 of you can start to make your way on your way. Go, Tim, you didn't have to go that far. So they asked Jesus to heal them and then they just kind of went on their way, not sure of what would happen next, but they were healed along the way. Verse 15 though says this. Verse 15 says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And I love this, where he stood at a distance a moment ago, now he threw himself at Jesus's feet and thanked him. And Luke says, and he was a Samaritan. So Lewis, would you come on back and be that one? Give it up for Lewis. He's going to be that one today. He came back. Now, how, now, this is, now I know y'all didn't wake up expecting a pop quiz today, but this is going to be the easiest math you've ever had to do, okay? Stay with me. You can do this. Students, I know you got this. I know you're tired, but you can do this. How many of these lepers were healed by Jesus? How many in total? How many came back? One. Just one. This one who only moments before had stood at a distance from Jesus, now throwing himself at Jesus' feet, praising Jesus, acknowledging Jesus, thanking Jesus, pouring back out his praise to Jesus. And Luke doesn't want us to miss who it is. It's the Samaritan. This one who was so deeply despised demonstrated the greatest gratitude among them. And it's not lost on Jesus. And I love this. Verse 17, Jesus turns to him and says, hey, what? Like, did you were here a minute ago, right? Didn't I heal all 10 of you? We're not all 10 actually cleansed. Where are the other nine? That's a rhetorical question he's asking him, but he's like, but where are they though? For real. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, this is what's so great. The other nine did not get what this one got. Rise and go. Your faith, your faith, has made you well. He got this personal, intimate blessing from Jesus that the other nine did not get. Where were the other nine? Where were they? The ones who were also healed, the ones who actually received the exact same miracle as the one. They all got the same thing from God, but only one gave his gratitude back to God. The moral of the story is not subtle. So often, Gratitude gets lost once we get what we want. So often, gratitude gets lost once we get what we want. And we'll never know. We'll ne now listen, we don't know the story. We only know this person's story. We don't know about the other nine. We don't know that they were grateful for being healed. We don't really know. All that we do know about them is that they failed to express it. They failed to come back and say, it was you who healed me. It was you who did it. And it's important to, to note that the nine actually never returned, who never returned to say thanks to Jesus. Those nine did not have their miracle taken away. That would be cruel and vindictive of Jesus. If it were me, I'd be like, oh, really? Oh, all y'all got this miracle, but only he came back? Zoop, I would take that miracle. That's me. I'm not Jesus. That's not how it worked. They did, though, miss out on this personal moment of blessing and affirmation from Jesus. And here's what's true 
of me, and, and here's what's true of you. In fact, here's what's true of every single one of us. You are somewhere in this group. We're all somewhere in this group. All of us have been blessed. Every single one of us have been blessed beyond measure. We all experience, you do, you know, you've experienced the goodness of God on the regular. And you may not have all that you want, but you know that you have all that you need, and all that you need is provided by the hand of a loving God. God's generosity and goodness knows no limits. He gives and he heals and he blesses and he sets free. That's who God is. That's what God does. And some people recognize it. Some people may even feel grateful to God for it. But few do what the one did. Few do what the one did and come back and say, yes, thank you. It was you a gift from you. Let me return this back to you however I can. Few do what the one actually did. And all, listen, all the stats and, and studies and, and surveys of church life and how church works actually back this up on a real practical level. They back this up. And, and in fact, you know that in, in most churches in this country here in America, most churches right around 20% of the people of the church do about 80% of the serving in the church. So we'll grab, Michael, you can come back over. We'll grab one more here. You can come stand here. You look the most like Jesus, so you can stand right here <laughs> among us. Yes, yes, yes. So, yes. So in most churches, about 20% do about 80% of the serving, of the holding of doors, holding of babies, all the different things that go into making a church community a community. And the same is true of giving. In most churches, statistically, about 20% of the people do about 80% of the financial giving of a church. Now, what's interesting to consider is that all receive, all receive, all receive prayer, maybe encouragement, a place for their kids to grow and learn more about Jesus, a place to make friends that could literally last a lifetime, a place to be able to watch online when they can't actually make it in person, a place to drink great coffee. If you've ever been to some churches, their coffee sucks. And so this church has great coffee. And if that's not enough, by God's grace and God's glory, you get to bring it into the auditorium and drink it during it. Listen, all receive, all receive, all receive. But few give. Statistically speaking, all receive, but few give. Most are grateful. Few are generous. Let's thank these folks for coming and playing. Well done, well done, well done. Now, here's what I love. Thankfully, that has not actually been the story of this church. I, that's why I love this church. I'm very biased. Love this church. From the beginning of this church, you have been some of the most generous and sacrificial folks that Jean and I have ever had the privilege of being around. You inspire us. We're trying to keep up with y'all. Generous, sacrificial people. But I don't know if you know, but we all just did this thing called COVID, still technically doing it. And it's changed everything in the world. It wasn't an interruption, it's a disruption. It's changed the way that we do so much of our life. And it's changed so much of how we do things here at this church. And for the first time in this church's 12-year history, for the very first time, our giving is actually down from what it was the year before. You know what's amazing about the church? Every year, year over year, y'all gave more than the year before. 
and it has enabled this church to do far more than we could have ever hoped for or imagined. But for whatever reason, for many reasons, this year our giving is down about 15% from what it was last year. And again, never happened before in the history of this church, but it's happening all over the world right now. And I would add to that for the first time, we're having a hard time actually encouraging people and getting people to commit to being a part of a team to have some people that have a purpose and serve and love others. We're having a hard time getting people to commit and to stick and to stay and to show up. And that's new for us. That's just been a part of our DNA, especially if you were here in the early years, like you didn't have an option. Welcome to Soul City, get to work. That's kind of how we feel like we got a job for you. Let's get going, right? So you felt that probably too. If you've been coming here for a little while now and you tried, like you drove around for an hour and a half trying to find a parking spot around here, you're like, I wonder if they have a parking team. Or maybe you've gone to our prayer hall, which is one of the most powerful places we have in our church, and you've had to wait in that really long line to receive prayer. Or maybe you've gone over to Soul City Kids and, and you've dropped your kids off in such a wonderful experience, but you've walked away going, I don't know if the kid to leader ratio is like tenable. We've, see, we're, for the first time in our church's history, we're, we're finding what the world is obviously experiencing is that people are having a hard time committing, giving of themselves. Because so much has shifted, so much has changed in our world, and so much has shifted and changed in us. So much that we can't even articulate yet. So much of our rhythms and our values have shifted and changed, haven't they? We're obviously, there's things that are happening outside of us as well. We're obviously in the middle of a global recession right now, and so that obviously is having an effect on all of us. And so a lot of different forces and factors come into play right now. And, and thankfully, one thing I love about our church is in the midst of all that change, more and more and more new people keep coming to this church. You know, we just did a survey last week. Thank you for those of you who filled it out. Do you know that 50% of the people who come to Soul City Church have been here less than a year? So that's exciting. God is bringing people. I hear it every time I'm out in the lobby hanging out afterwards. Oh, I am Jared. How'd you hear about Soul City? Oh, I started watching online. I've been coming for a couple months now. It's amazing. It also brings some challenges with it. It's amazing. And it also brings some challenges. And I wanted to let you know, our team is on it. We have one of the best staff in the world, best team in the world. They're making significant shifts and changes to how we do what we do to respond and to lead well in and through this season that we are currently in and in the seasons to come. And we'll continue to rework and rethink and reimagine what church means in the world that we actually live in. But I just wonder for those, again, for those of us who'd say we're all in, We'd call ourselves a follower of Jesus. We're experiencing God's goodness in our life through his church. Which group do you want to be a part of? For you, I'm just talking you. What group do you want to say, I'm a part of that? Those who simply receive from God, which God is so good and so generous and will always do, or those who choose to respond to God. See, I think what was being revealed through the story of the nine and the one is something that is foundational and I think formational for a full life with Jesus. And it's all about that relationship between gratitude and generosity. Those things are seemingly inseparable. That when you get all that you got as a gift from God, from a good and loving God, you begin to see that, that gratitude is the right response. Gratitude is my response and generosity is my responsibility. That's what the one did. He said, no, oh, wait, well, hold up. Before I even get to that priest, I'm going to go back to the one who healed me, who saved me, who set me free. 
I get the gratitude is my response. Yes, thank you, God, it's from you. Generosity, that's my responsibility. That's my responsibility. First step, respond to God with gratitude. Thank you, God. Yes, you've been faithful. You've carried me through. God, yes, you showed up for me in this season. Yes, yes, yes. That's my response. Next step is my responsibility. God, I'll make room. I'm gonna make room for generosity, greater generosity in my life. I wanna make room for you to do what you did for me in the lives of others. I wanna move from being a part of the nine to the one. To move from feeling grateful to being generous. Does that make sense? Now, I want to just clear something up and then I'll be wrapping up. Uh, Some people sometimes can get a little weirded out uh, or maybe defensive around when we talk about money or generosity or giving in church. And that's mostly because it's pastors who make it weird. The onus is on us. And I just want to say something so that you just, I don't want you to miss this. God does not need you to give to him. God does not need you to give back to him. It's not like when the buckets were passed a little bit ago, a couple minutes ago, we passed those buckets. It's not like God is watching going, "Uh uh-oh, a little late this week. It's not like when Jesus healed the 10 and sent them off, he's like, boy, I wonder if anyone will come back. I wonder if I'll even get a thank you card. This is what I do. I give, I give, I give, and what do I get? That's not, that's not... That's not the nature of God. That's not how it actually works. God doesn't need your gratitude. God doesn't need your generosity. God doesn't need your money. God's God all by himself. He don't need nobody else. In fact, I would go as far as to say is you don't need a God that needs you. If you're in this mindset like, oh, I have to do this obligation. Nope, that's not of God. You don't need a God that needs you. That's not how this works. God's not dependent on me. I'm dependent on him. God doesn't need me to make room for greater generosity in my life. I do. I'm the one who needs it. And you need it. We all do. God just wants you to grow. He wants you to live into that full potential he created you for. He wants you to experience the the goodness of God in your life. And giving back is one of the greatest ways to do just that, to both show your gratitude and grow your generosity. And I just have to tell you, I've had the privilege of sitting in this seat at this church for 12 years now, as Gene and I have done the best we can to listen to God and lead this church. And I can't tell you of the story after story after story after story of folks who got this and made it right and said, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna be a part of the one. I wanna be a part of that group that says, I wanna give back to God. And I'm looking around at some of our elders who are here and some of the folks that have been around this church for a long, long time. And I could go through of the stories that I know of folks who said, no, count me a part of those ones who turned my gratitude into generosity. And I'm so incredibly, incredibly, incredibly blown away and grateful. And of all the years, of all the folks, of all the families who said, let's get this one right, let's get this one right. Do you know that I have yet to receive an email? I've yet to someone, have someone stop me after a gathering. I have yet to meet anyone who regrets giving to God. Hasn't happened yet. Got lots of different types of emails. Haven't gotten that one yet. Of someone who says, you know, it just wasn't worth it. I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't. I gave, nothing happened. I've yet to meet anyone who regrets giving to God. 
And here's what I've found in my own journey with generosity and trying to release more and more and more and more and more to God. What I've found is that generosity flows where gratitude grows. Generosity flows where gratitude continues to grow. The more and more and more I respond out of gratitude, the more generosity becomes my responsibility. And it grows. It grows and grows and grows until it becomes a part of my life. There's this this corollary connection between the two that you just seem inescapable. The more that you get that all that you've got is a gift from a good and loving God, the more you want to make room to give back to God, the more you want to make that a priority for your life, the more you do what the one did and come back and give back to God a portion of what he's given to you. The more you make generosity a part of your life, the more it becomes a pattern in your life and it begins to go well beyond what you set out for it to be. But you have to choose to make room for it in your life. No one else will do that for you. In fact, everything else will pull you in the opposite direction. And so we want to help you as best we can. We want to come alongside you to help you live into who you actually are, who God longs for you to be. Two ways to do that, to grow greater gratitude and grow greater generosity in your life this week. The first is to attend our Money Wise workshop, which is coming up this Saturday. We've been doing this for years and years and years now because what we want to do is see people actually break patterns in their life to be financially free, to get out from the drag of debt, to learn to live within their limits, and to grow greater generosity in their life. And so this is available to anyone and everyone, and it just might be the most important thing you do this next week. And so I mentioned a little bookmark earlier. Mine is sweaty and wrinkled from being in my pocket all morning. But you can grab it. It's in your Bible, a little black bookmark. There's a QR code on there. I want you to grab it right now. And all you have to do, if you want to explore, like, I wonder if this thing might help me. I'm in a new season. Maybe I've got a new job. Maybe I've lost my job. Things have changed financially. I'm tired of carrying around all this college, you know, debt. Like, I want to, I want to be free. That's all this is. It's trained Financial volunteers, a bunch of them are in this room right now. All they want to do is help you get free. No hidden agenda there. They want you to live into the freedom that God has for you. And so you can just scan this with your phone. And, and if that's not working for you, just go to our website. You can find information. If you're with us online, the link is in the description. You can sign up to be a part of that. Don't miss it. It's a practical way for you to be a part of what God is doing in and through this church by just starting here. And the second way that I want to help you do that is also found in this magical QR code. And that's for you to begin your giving journey. And for you to say, you know what? I actually want to get this one. I want to get this one right. I want to at least start. I want to start by giving a portion, a percentage back to God because it's so obvious to me all that he's given to me. And so when you scan this little thing and you click on the link there, it's going to take you to a place where you can begin to set that up. And that's between you and God. Remember, he didn't need it. He just wants you to grow more and more into who he created you to be. And I want to encourage you to take this step, to invest in that good work that God is doing, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. To have an effect, you get to have an effect on the things of eternity. To see God make a way in your life as you are on your way to trusting him more and more with your resources. So you can scan that begin that today. Or for some of you, maybe you've been on a giving journey here at Soul City Church, or this is a value that got locked into you maybe earlier in life. And maybe the thing the Holy Spirit's prompting you right now is to just examine and go, is there more, God? Is there more? 
not out of obligation, not out of desperation, but out of a desire to be transformed. Is there more, God? Is there more that I can give to you because it's so obvious and apparent to me you've given everything to me to grow in that not only gratitude but that generosity to not just be someone who receives from God but responds to God. I just want to encourage you however God is leading you to take that step today to be a part of the one and do what they did. So I want to pray for you towards that end. I want to ask you to stand if you would please and we're gonna take a posture of prayer that I just, I love it. We take around here, we open our hands up to God. I think it's a beautiful posture and, and, and perfect for what we're talking about today because what is it, when it comes to our stuff, we like to hold tight. And so it's good to just practice even right now in this room to just say, I wanna hold this posture with you, God. And I wanna pray for you that you would, that you would, that you would make room. So can I just pray for you right now? God, thank you for my friends, my family here who I know, I know at some level, no matter where they are with you, are aware that you are good. I trust you. God, they've seen your goodness on display in their lives. God, would you just prompt and nudge and encourage us to do what you're inviting us to do? That's all we want to do is what you're inviting us to do. And all we want you to do is what only you can do. Do whatever you want to do in our life, God. Thank you, God, for how you've provided a way for every one of us, whether we realize it or not, as we were on the way. And this is no different. And help, God, that response of gratitude to move into a responsibility with our generosity, to do whatever we have to do this week, to make more room for you to move more and more in our lives and through our lives. Thank you, God, that you are good, you are faithful, you are generous. This church, our lives, all of it's in your hands. Do whatever you want, God. Do whatever you want. We pray this in your name. Amen.